My name is Edson Cordeiro. I'm a, a Brazilian singer. I'm a pop singer, I would say, but with a kind of a um, range that's known like countertenor. But I'm a pop countertenor. Oh my goodness. Edson, welcome to the show. For those of you who don't know Edson's work, you are in for a treat. In 1992, he came on the music scene in Brazil like an explosion. Soon I'll kick off this episode with some funky musical blends featuring Edson's incredible, unique and virtuosic voice. At that time, he had almost no formal training and he was still in his teens. He sings a duet with another fantastic singer, Cassia Ehrlich, who, to make a counterpoint with Edson's impossible high register, sings in a very, very low range. On top of spearheading the crossover movement in Brazil, they also boldly played with the idea of being gender fluid in a time when this was pretty much unheard of. I have nothing but great admiration and respect for them. Here we go. Oh boy, Woo! I love this track so, so very much. And the video on YouTube is so much fun to watch. Can you talk a little bit about how this whole thing happened? Publicity agency heard my, my LP and they thought that it could be um, 
and they put as a jingle, the Queen of the Night for Mozart that I used to sing at that time. And it was a hit. And nobody knew that it was a man singing. <laughs> so my manager had to make a hard work so that people connected the voice with my face to say is a man singing, not a woman. Of course. And what about that idea of mixing the aria with rock and roll? Tell us about the duet with Cassia Ehrlich. I invited a woman, Cassia Ehrlich, who, a singer who sang, who sang very, very low, like a man. So playing with the genders also was the first time in Brazil that you really playing with that. And suddenly I was putting a lot of elements that nowadays you say, oh, but gender fluid and la la la. But in that time it was a big risk. And even, oh my God, are you crazy to do it? And and I did and really worked, really worked. Yeah. Yeah, it worked really, really well. We had never seen or heard anything like you guys before. The beautiful thing is at that time, people embraced it. For a country that is so nastily filled with homophobia, you guys took a huge risk. But the younger generations, they were screaming for that. So ready for you and wanting more of you. For, for the, the young generation, for yeah, it was. I listened to this album, I think, every day for a whole year. It was very inspiring for me as a young artist to hear the variety of music you were singing. And not only that, singing in different styles and languages and genres and covering centuries of music. Can you talk a little bit about that? So in my first LP, I, I record Duke Ellington, I record Prince, I record Mozart, Spirituals. I did everything I want. And like just I did everything I want without anybody say of the company say, don't do it, don't do that. And on that note, let's hear another incredible track from that album. I mean, I'm in awe of how you can switch your voice to make it sound however you want it to sound. Quando eu canto, que se cuide, quem não for meu irmão, meu canto, punhalada, não conhece o perdão. So interesting. Can you talk a little bit about your vocal range? Physically, physiologically, I realized that I've had a special range since I was a child because I would like to whistle like the voice because it was the kind of a macho code and I, I couldn't. I used to pretend that I, I could do that with my voice and it was very, very high. My first change and when I became a teenager, I realized that I still could manage with my falsetto, they used to say. And, and it was a kind of very, it was very relaxed for me. I never use only this high region. I use also the region where I speak, the, the, the chest voice, the I'm a baritone. Also when I sing, I'm not a bass, but I can, I'm not a tenor. There's a very cool clip of you on the internet. It's a live show in which you sing Mozart. It's a Mozart duet with yourself. Not only sonically impressive because you're singing both parts, but also great to watch as you're so theatrical. Here's a little clip. Maestro! 
Reich mir die Hand, mein Leben. Komm auf mein Schloss mit mir. Kannst du noch wieder streben? Es ist nicht weit von hier. Vorrei, el alborrei, mi tremo poco il cor. Felice versarei, ma po burlarmi ancor, po burlarmi ancor. Vieni, mio bel diletto, mi fa pietà masetto. That's so much fun. It's so entertaining. I name myself like a countertainer because I'm a kind of an entertainer countertainer because I'm not this kind of opera singers who sing only this repertoire. I'm an entertainer for excellence. That's so, so wonderful. Now, Edson, what about your beginnings in music? How did you start singing? I started singing when I was a child in church, evangelic church, and... I'm a very intuitive singer. I learn by intuition, but of course, I have some also some wonderful teachers in Brazil that that I could I could say that I learned a lot with them also. Why the church? Was church was my family because when I was six, seven years old, my mother was searching for a miracle to change the alcoholism of my family. My father was alcoholic. <laughs> And he was really a problem, it was difficult. And my mother was searching for a miracle. In the evangelic church in Brazil, they always promise you that something will change further. So she, she, all the family went there trying to change my father. I was enchanted with the music part because everything was music. Everything was a reason to sing. It was not the gospel like the Afro-American gospel that I would even dream that I could meet Mahalia Jackson one day in church with the... We didn't have a Mahalia or a Rita Franklin, never. but it was this this Brazilian hymn, nothing special. Mm, I see. Speaking of spirituals, there's this moment of yours that I love. It's an appearance on a German TV show, I think, in the 90s. I think it's Germany. Here it is. A little test. Can we hear five scales? Wow. Okay. Ah. No, now. Okay. Yes. If I were you, I would say... Hmm. Yes, speak, Lord, speak to me. Oh, speak, Lord, until you speak to me. Oh, I was so blind. Yeah, I was so alone. Great, that was sehr tief. Tief, okay. Uh, perfect, great. And can we now hear hi? <laughs> it's, a, it's so wonderful to see like the world going crazy for you. I love it. You know, you mentioned something about the Brazilian music you sang in church. And of course, I am no expert in Brazilian evangelic music at all. But I know that most people in Brazil don't use a lot of vibrato. And so can you Talk a little bit about how did you develop your voice? I always had vibratos, trilos, without knowing that it was trilo or vibrato. And also in my church, it was not a very good, very well-educated vocal church. They scream more than they sing. But some people could sing good and I could follow the soprano. I could sing with them. I, I could impersonate very good songs. Hmm. 
So what you're saying is that by listening and trying to imitate the sounds, you could eventually develop this amazing instrument. So I, I have a good ear. I think singing for me, my, my opinion, is start in ears. If you hear good, you, you can reproduce good. I think people sometimes very worried about how they sound, but not so much how they hear. And I could hear very good things. And this helped me a lot to reproduce a sound and to be close to a sound that enchanted me. Yes, without a doubt. I mean, your ears are astonishing. Going back to the idea of the vibrato, I'm puzzled still because, again, it's not a sound um, very much used in Brazilian music, especially around the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Something else must have been going on. I like to impersonate the sopranos that I used to hear. Mm. I remember my, my grandmother was very Catholic, and she was always hearing this radio, and I was enchanted with that voice. Mm. The sopranos, like, six o'clock in the afternoon in Brazil is always the Ave Maria's hour. It was the hour that I was born six o'clock in the afternoon also it's not so nice because you do sing that very beautifully by the way i'm just curious to know like how were you received in the church as this young singer who was probably blowing everyone's minds because... i was a freak attraction i would be i was a kind of the the woman with bird, was it, the bird the... <laughs> beard the woman with beard <laughs> i was a kind of circus circus attraction oh my like goodness <laughs> Yeah, well, that's what happens when you do something different than everybody else. But, you know, so what was next for you? After that, I started to be an actor. I was a, a musical actor, singer before being only a singer. So I even I, I tour with the, a theater uh, around in many countries with a, a group Ornito Rinco is a very famous ensemble. Wow, so knowing that makes so much sense to me because your deliveries are always so creative and very theatrical. So, yeah, I just want to know now what singers influenced you or what singers do you love? I have this influence of Charpentier, Handel. I have to sing this wonderful Purcell and all these things is a, is a wonderful school. I have the best school with actors and I learn a lot with actors, even when they are not singers, but they sing more than sound. You need to tell a story. And I was enchanted with Billie Holiday, Dalva de Oliveira, Edith Piaf. When I heard Elise Regina was the only problem because when I really stopped to hear Elise Regina was the moment that I thought I should stop. <laughs> oh, wow. Really? No. I reopened. I never said this in interview before. Yeah. And Clarice, of course, I said, what I'm doing, trying to be a solo singer, go. I, this is because she's amazing. Like when you have something like something called Elise Regina in your country and something that's it, this is, this is serious to say, I want to be a singer, want to sing. She almost made me surrender, I must tell you. Wow, I'm so surprised to hear this because... You are so different as singers, and I wouldn't dream of making this connection, but in a way I understand, because she inspired you tremendously as she has inspired <laughs> so many generations, and she continues to do that, even though she's been gone now for almost 40 years. So what happened? How did you continue to sing? But of course, with the time you say, you, you need to be uh, humble and say, there is a big constellation that is space for everybody and go ahead with your insecurity and go for it. And I said, okay. And thank God you did because 
the world would not be the same place without you. <laughs> so um, I think uh, I just want to know, of course, before you became a huge overnight sensation in Brazil, what else were you doing besides being in the church singing and doing your work in the theater? I used to sing in the streets. Also, I didn't tell you this. Uh, I was for a time singing in the streets in Sao Paulo because I never could be engaged with my voice. People were... I never could sing in a band because the people said I was too strange. And I went to the streets in Sao Paulo hmm. and I put a, a box in front of me. I started to sing in the streets for money hmm. for a long time. And I remember that when I was in the streets, I was singing Verdi, Mozart, uh, Pichinguinha. Now, I do have a question that is actually going backwards in our conversation, but um, I couldn't help but notice that when you mentioned who your influences were, you only mentioned women, women singers as references. Why is that? I think we Latinos, we have, even when you are gay like I am, you always learn, don't show emotions, don't cry. But I was raised to not cry, to not show emotions, to be the stronger one. And I think women usually, they show emotions easily than man. When you hear Dalva de Oliveira, this Brazilian singer that I love so much, you feel that she's so brave to open her heart. When I hear Billie Holiday or people like this, I always thought, ah, she's not afraid to show emotion. My ears, my my soul is a feminine part of me that is not about sex orientation, it's about soul. My soul maybe is more feminine in this meaning. I will show my emotions, I will cry. So I think I prefer women singing than men. really loved the song on your album um, and I, I have a question that relates a little bit to that not the song per se but the whole album um, and I have to ask this because everything is digitized now it's difficult to find credits on a CD on an LP unfortunately everything it seems to be wrong on the internet you, you read um, the wrong information I don't know who arranged your album and I have to say those arrangements of all these songs, they are absolutely amazing. Who who did it? 
me, the maestro that I work in one of the musicals that I sang, that he composed, it was a new musical, something absolutely new. And I was absolutely enchanted with Miguel Briamonte, is this maestro, who is a wonderful musician. He writes for orchestra and everything. I, I sang many arrangements for orchestra that he wrote. Nina Hagen, he made wonderful arrangements. And Miguel Briamonte really built this harmony around me that was really great you know i'm so ashamed that i've never heard of him i cannot even tell you um because indeed the arrangements are fantastic there is this one that is one of my favorites in the whole album we just mentioned in the hagen here's a little bit of it because it's like um, it's like this epic thing which is the uh, comes from the original song and then you have also a little bit of this tango flavor behind it which is not there and it makes it more yours and anyway so I just wanted to say I'm I'm definitely gonna be looking him up <laughs> from now on and ask you another question and that has to do with the amount of success you've had in your life, which was kind of an overnight success deal. And you actually told me it happened by accident, by chance. Nothing was planned. And I really believe that because of the way that you were just throwing yourself into the arts, you know, singing in the church, doing work in theater, and then you went to the streets. Can you tell me a little bit about that, the whole relationship with, uh, with success? Uh, at the beginning of my career, journalists very often come, are you ready to be famous? Are you ready to be successful? I think the real question should be, are you ready when you would not be famous? Are you ready when you will be not on the spot? 
Clarice, that's the moment where you should be strong. Because when the people say, everybody's ready to fly first class. Everybody was born to, to eat foie gras. But you need to be ready when you are not in this moment. You want to be an artist or you want to be famous. This is a big difference. I always want to be an artist and I never surrender this idea. When I'm on the spot or not, I pay the price to be a, to be a, an artist, and I prefer to be in this side, singing opera, singing jazz, singing samba, singing dance music that I love. <laughs> yeah, you do that. You, I have heard you sing dance music. I love your version of "I Will Survive." Edson, I really would love to finish our special episode thanking you for making the world a much better place with your talent, your courage, your spirit your charisma, and your impeccable sense of humor. It's been an honor speaking with you. And let's finish the podcast on a high note with this beautiful tune by Duke Ellington. 